lucky to have Christian parents because I, there are a lot of people in the world who don't have Christian relatives, and so they don't know things. My teachers are always in praying and telling us how great God is and encouraging us to pray.
let's, uh, let's begin our worship this morning by singing Worship the King.
QR code is a code that will bring up a form that you can fill out, uh, what we call a connect card, uh, and we ask that you maybe fill that out, and then if you will take that to the next step desk at the end of the service, that's right out these center doors and immediately to the left, and we would like to uh, connect with you, and uh, that's a way of you letting us know that you're here and for us to, uh, to give you a greeting. If this is your first time visit with us, we have a gift for you there as well. So be sure to pick that up if you would. Uh, Hebron Baptist Church exists for the purpose of encouraging you to take your next step toward Christ, whether that step is your very first step in accepting him as Savior or uh, some other step, as we saw this morning, uh, baptism perhaps, uh, or perhaps joining a life group or a D group. Uh, all of those things we'd like to help you with, and again, at the next step desk is where you will go, and you can find someone to help you with that as well. Um, we also uh, like to open our services and begin our services with prayer, and so we're going to pray at this time. We're going to pray for ourselves. We're going to pray also for other things like missionaries and for the world. So please join me in prayer this morning. Father, this morning we, we think especially of our core value of urgent evangelism. Uh, we don't know how much time we have before you return. And we know the time is, is getting shorter each and every day. And Father, there are multitudes of people around us that don't know Christ as Savior. And uh, you have put us here for the purpose of being a witness to them. And so, Father, we pray that we would be the witness that you would have us to be, telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning, we also pray for Chris and Rhonda Richard, uh, missionaries in Buenos Aires. And, Father, we, we pray for them and their ministry there. Uh, we pray especially for this morning for two unbelievers who have begun attending their Bible study, uh, these two unbelievers, uh, uh, we believe, are, are hungry for the word, hungry to know you, and Father, we just pray that the Spirit might work in their hearts and that, uh, that they might come to know you as Savior, uh, not only through uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, but by, Father, because of the witness there of uh, Chris and Rhonda. And Father, this morning, uh, for our own uh, selves, we pray uh, for our 4 in 24 ministry, Father. We pray that uh, this emphasis of, of inviting four individuals this year to church, uh, Father, we just pray that you would help us to, first of all, know who these people are that we should invite. Each and every one of us knows uh, many, many people who need to know Christ as Savior, and there are so many thousands of people just right here in our own county that don't know you, that don't attend Sunday services. Father, we pray that you would help us to, to know who those people are that you would have us to invite, to uh, bring with us here uh, to services on Sunday. And so, Father, we just pray that you would uh, help us to, to know who and uh, that the, you would know the time that we should uh, invite them, Father, whether it be to a special event or to just a, a normal, ordinary uh, Sunday morning.
Therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains, let us beware that none of you be found to have fallen short. For we also have received the good news just as they did. But the message they heard did not benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. For we who have believed enter the rest in keeping with what he has said. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest, even though his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way, and on the seventh day God rested from all his works. Again in that passage he says, they will never enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience, he again specifies a certain day, today. He specified this speaking through David after such a long time. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. For the word of God is living and effective, and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who we must give an account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of
Good morning. Turn into your copy of God's Word or into your devices, Genesis chapter 2. If you use the Pew Bible that's in front of you, I think we're still on page 2. You can correct me if I'm wrong. If not, we've gone to page 3. For those of you who are new today, we're working our way through Genesis uh, this year, and we're really walking slowly through the first four chapters, and uh, we have come to learning about and uh, life in the garden or life in paradise today uh, and we're going to examine how god designed life how we can live it to its fullest how we can have the most blessing he designed it here in genesis chapter 2 so we're going to read beginning in verse 4 and we're going to read to verse 17 these are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning their creation at the time that the Lord God made the heavens, the earth and the heavens. No shrub of the field had yet grown on the land, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not made it rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. But mist would, mist would come from the earth and water all the ground. Then the Lord formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils and the man became a living being the lord god planted a garden in eden in the east and there he placed the man he had formed the lord god caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food including the tree of life in the middle of the garden as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil a river went out from eden to water the garden from there it divided and became the source of four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon, which flows from the entire land of Havilah, and there is gold. Gold from that land is pure. Bdellium and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is Gihon, which flows from the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris, which runs east of Assyria, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it to watch over it the lord god commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree of the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for on the day you eat from it you will certainly die let us pray heavenly father we ask you to meet with us as we have sung as we have prayed as we long for we come to worship you but we come to meet with you in your word that we would be pierced by the word that our souls would know the right and wrong that we would be changed and god today that though we see it as just one sunday of the year you have designed it by your sovereign plan for us to be here that we would meet with you so lord i pray that you would refine us change us teach us and make us more like your son Jesus today. We ask this in his precious name. Amen. It is essential for us to de dedicate our life for fulfilling the purpose that God has designed for us. It is essential that we commit our lives to fulfilling the purpose that God has designed for us. There was a storekeeper, and on the certain section was his hunting rifle section. And a, a, a hunter came to the store, and he looked on the wall, and there was two 
sections. There was one that had just one beautiful gun on it. And that gun was made of the finest metal, a beautifully designed walnut stock. It was designed by one of the most famous rifle makers in the country. And to the other side was just Kentucky squirrel rifles. It was just plain metal, plain wood, nothing special, but there was rows of them. Now, interestingly, the, the beautifully designed rifle was cheaper than the squirrel rifles. And the gentleman came up to the storekeeper and said, Sir, I really want to leave here with a nice gun. And just looking here, that one over there looks like the best one, yet it's cheaper. Why is it cheaper? Why, as opposed to these Kentucky squirrel rifles, which I already have two, but I certainly, you know, all of us guys can have another one. Well, he said, well, this was designed by the most famous gun maker in all the world. And he designed it beautifully. But there's one problem. It doesn't fire. It's meant to be put in one of these highfalutin homes that like to de decorate their homes and hang it above the fireplace. Of course, that hunter left that day with a Kentucky squirrel rifle. Maybe he already had a few, but, you know, he couldn't say no to another one. You know, it reminds us that even though that we can see things, we must truly fulfill the purpose that we're designed for. And for us as humans, it is important for us to fulfill the purpose that God has created for us. Now, where do we find this? How do we find this magic plan? Where do we, where do we turn to? Well, brother and sister, we can turn here to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 1 was the overview of creation, of how God started creation from nothing into a world fit for human living. And yet, here in Genesis chapter 2, I would say that we would zoom in, I guess, in modern times, God pinched in on the screen to help us see more clearly the story of God creating humanity and Adam and Eve specifically and in it helps us to see how God designed life in paradise it says here that God designed Eden and placed Adam in it Eden is known the Hebrew word means delight and it says and describes in verse 9 that every ground out of the ground God sprung up every tree that was pleasant to sight and good for food Truly, this place was paradise. And with cherry on top, the relationship that humans or Adam and Eve experienced with God was like un nothing in history. It says that God walked with Adam and Eve. Bonhoeffer wrote that Adam speaks and walks with God as if they belong to one another. Paradise it was. And here in chapter 2, let's remember where we are in redemptive history. 
chapter 2 comes before chapter 3. I know that's elementary. But what happens in chapter 3? The fall. Sin enters the world. And we gum up the works. So if we want to look to see how God designed things pre-fall, pre-sin entering in, we can look here at chapter 2 and we can get a glimpse at some foundational principles that we can live our lives by. We're going to look at those for the next three weeks, actually. We're going to look at how God designed uh, our life with purpose. Next week, we're going to look at see how God designed life with gender. And in two weeks, how God designed marriage in his world and as we look at this we want to see how God designed things because if he designed it this way we know if we live by it we will have blessing we will do things the right way we ultimately will find our purpose and live pleasing to God now the Westminster Shorter Catechism teaches that our chief aim is the glory and enjoyment of God and so our fulfillment and purpose in life is to glorify God and enjoy him forever and to be truly happy to be truly fulfilled to be truly successful to truly live with the purpose that God has given us then we must live as God designed for us to be maybe it's the psalmist that kind of captures this and the understanding of Genesis chapter 2 and ultimately how we read through the rest of the Bible how do we find and see that we must fulfill the purposes of God well Psalm 128 summarizes how happy is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in his ways you will surely eat what your hands have worked for you will be happy and it will go well for you your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like young olive trees around your table. In this very way, the man who fears the Lord will be blessed. May the Lord bless you from Zion so that you will see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life and will see your children's children. Peace be with Israel. Well, in Genesis chapter 2, we see the foundation, the purpose in which God has designed us, that we should, with his help, try to fulfill his purpose in our life. How do we do that? Well, we look with the help of the Holy Spirit to see how life in paradise was supposed to go and how we might now live knowing that we're living for God. So if you're taking notes on your bulletin or in your phones, number one, life in paradise is living in dependence on God. Life in paradise is living in dependence on God. Verse 7, we read, Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. God sovereignly designed humanity and by doing so by his very hand formed by a special nature a personal design in us. Now just rewind we a few weeks ago talked how we are designed in the image of God. God said in our image 
he created Adam. He created man in this way that we hold the imago dei, the, the, the characteristics that, that, that we can reflect to the world, that we can reflect back to God and bring him glory, this ways that God has created us. And in this, in chapter 2, he, he zooms in to say, not only did he just say, poof, you know, Adam was, but he personally, creatively, created mankind out of the dust of the ground. Man is not an afterthought, but an intentional design of an infinite mind who created both the Adam and the cosmos he created Adam the man. And in doing so, he formed him out of the dust of the ground. In the original Hebrew, it is a great play on words. The Lord God formed the man, Ha-Adam, from the dust and from the ground, Ha-Adamah. In this, we see that God used already created things to form mankind. Here we see the potter at work. It is no coincidence that the potter and clay metaphor continues all through scripture because this is what God did. By his hand, we for he formed us. By his hand, he created every bit of our being. By his hand, he put our organs and everything together. But he did so and created us as a pot of clay. He did not create us as a strong superman or as a rock being that was invincible. He didn't create us in a way uh, that, was, uh, that was, uh, could be fight off all the, even the animals that were in the garden. Instead, he created us from the dust of the ground. John Calvin, the reformer, observed, The body of Adam is formed of clay and destitute of sense. To the end that no one should exult beyond measure in his flesh. He must be excessively stupid who does not here learn humility. We should understand that we have nothing to boast about in our bodies. That it fails, it's, it's lacking. Yet God created us in a special way. He didn't just create us out of the ground, but he created us personally, giving us life. It says later that he formed us and then breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. Look at this personal way in which God gave us soul, gave us life, gave us animation. It wasn't from afar, but face to face, uh, face to face, he breathed life into us his very spirit the same spirit that would that he bestowed upon jesus at his baptism the same spirit that he animated the church and send it with life this same way god breathed life into us in this personal way that god did not make mankind to understand that he cannot live we cannot live without him we would have never been we need to acknowledge that our very creation shows our dependence on God. Alistair Payne, a writer, says, No wonder that, when, that we were only going to flourish in relationship with God. We have not been designed to make it on our own. God created us in a way to continually project us to look to him for 
sustaining, for continuing, for power, for life itself. Just the other week, I was, I have a kind of, when I'm doing, I only really iron one day a week, and that's on Saturday night. But when I iron, I put everything out, and I, I turn on the iron, I plug it in, I set it to my setting, and then I walk away to go get everything together. And I, I, I went and got, was doing, getting everything together, and then I did something else, got water. And I came back, and I started ironing, and I did that whole shirt, and I, you know, I was so proud of myself. And then I, I lifted it up, and I was like, okay, it's no better than when I started. And I put it back down again, and I put, yeah, I just was, I really was putting some, you know, some power into that. Maybe if I could push the wrinkles out, or I could do whatever I could. I was just really doing everything that I could to do it. And then I, nothing was happening. And I looked. And I guess I was walked away from it for a little bit too long. Someone had come behind me and unplugged it from the wall. You see, the iron was created to depend on electricity to power it. Friends, we are created by God's hand to depend on him. We need to be reminded of this, even from very creation. The same way that we were designed to be dependent on God we need to be reminded that all of our life is to look to him to be empowered by him to depend on him but friends how many times students how many times do you go to school without prayer even thinking or asking God empower me encourage me today help me learn today how often brother sister do you face a day at work without calling on him we know that every day we will face challenges ahead but even if we don't have a challenge friends we are designed to be dependent on him we cannot run on our own ability we must run being connected to him when jesus said that he is the vine and we are the branches that was not for him to get an amen line and to hope that someone would write that down and we would remember it one day. Jesus used it as a metaphor for us to say this is reality, that we must be dependent on him. So let's return to life in paradise as we live a life dependent on God. That means depending on him through prayer depending on him by reading his word by depending on him by depending on the christians that god has put in our life in the church that can help us as we walk along that we do things connected to god and not doing it on our own friends if we want to live life in paradise successfully happy we need to depend on him Secondly, life in paradise is working to fulfill the purposes of God. Life in paradise is working to fulfill the purposes of God. In verse 15, it is recorded, The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work and watch over it. Now, this connects the, the rest of the chapter where Adam had been placed in the garden. God created the earth, but it said both in chapter 1 and in chapter 2 
that humanity has been given an epic task, a worldwide venture. It was introduced in Genesis chapter 128. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. The chapter begins saying that God had, yes, created the vegetation, yet it had not fully bloomed yet it had not come up why because God was designing Adam to come and work so that it would become fullness God designed this world and him and us so that it would work and sync together and the fundamental answer for us is that how do we live in a way that is on purpose and fulfilling it is by reflecting the character God as we subdue the earth and that we work in it we are called to work we are called to subdue we are called to reflect the character of God in everything that we do and doing so under the blessing of God now often when we think of work we cringe as we talked last week about the Sabbath rest, that God had given us a very uh, pattern for us to live our life, that we would follow him. Work six, rest a day. Work six, rest a day. And in doing so, he doubles down here in verse 15, saying that he was put Adam in it to watch over it and to work it. Work is therefore built into the created order right from the start. And it is a reminder to us that as we work and as we subdue the earth, we are doing so as God's ambassador to the world. Some of us have jobs that deal directly with this. Some of us work with plants and animals. Some of, some of you, I know, I've talked to you in here, love working with your hands in the garden, love working with animals, love doing those things. But all jobs relate to the great task of stewardship and life. From the farmer to the rancher to the engineer to the software developer to the nuclear physicist to the one of the ditch digger or the physician or veterinarian. From the coach to the pastor, the zookeeper to the politician to the sergeant to the mailman, everyone is working to subdue the earth. And it's not, it's not just to till the earth or to till soil, but it is to reflect the character of God and the produce of the world. That whatever you are designed skillfully to do, whether you're a police officer or a firefighter, whether you're a nurse or a teacher, you are casting the character of God to that work and the people there. And you, therefore, are, should be committed to working hard for the glory of God. That you, in the same way, should be working to fulfill what God has designed for us naturally to do. Now, let me give my caveat. I know that some watching online even right now, or some of you here today, have, have been afflicted by sin, and your body, your physical body, cannot do work. So friends, we don't lay this on you to put a heap of coal on your head to say, you know, you need to get over that, that leg or hip or whatever to, to do work. Instead, you know that God by his grace is overseeing 
what you're going through. Some of you have retired and, and you've put your time into work, but God has now moved you to a different place of work. Maybe that's uh, raising grandkids or maybe that's serving in the church or maybe serving in the community somewhere. There are still ways that God has given us opportunities to work and bring blessing in his character because this, friends, is how we were designed to be. Timothy Keller and Catherine Leary Alsdorf in their book, Every Good Endeavor, says that we do not see work brought into our human story after the fall of Adam as part of the resulting brokenness and curse. It is the part of the blessedness of the garden of God. Work is as much a basic human need as food, beauty, rest, friendship, prayer, and sexuality. It is not simply medicine, but food for our soul. Without meaningful work, we sense significant inner loss and emptiness. People who are cut off from work because of physical or other reasons quickly discover how much they need work to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Friends, so we must fulfill the purpose that God has designed for us by working. So how do we do this? Well, Paul helps us see this a little bit. There's many verses that we could go to. Colossians chapter 3 for several different verses, but let me just one specifically. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So how should we work? Knowing that this is how we've designed and that we've been bought by Jesus Christ and that we've been filled by the Holy Spirit, how must we work? Well, first we should work to please God. And everything we do, we go into it looking to see how we can do the best at it to bring glory to him, whether it's studying and learning eighth grade algebra or that we're putting cogs on a car, we should do it all for the glory of God with our best ability. Jesus used the parable of the talents in Matthew to show that initiative, diligence, and the savvy to earn interest in one's money shows that we should be working to the glory of God in all that we do. He likewise discourages slothful, fearful, or failure to be fruitful. Friends, when we know that we are working, we should do it all for the glory of God. We should also, sorry, we should work to please God, but we should also do it for his glory. We should be created, creative in the world that we should uh, fill the world with his glory. That as we are working, we are glorifying him in a way that points people back to him. When we work hard and God is blessing and that we are working to bless our, our bosses, to bless our co-workers, to bless the people that we serve with, we are doing so as his ambassador to bring glory to God. That here Paul says that whatever we're eating or drinking or whatever we're doing, that we should bring glory to the one who gave it to us. Friends, we know that we do nothing without the skill that he gave to us that he, we do nothing without the ability and the plans that he has given to us. And therefore, we do all things to bring thanks and glory to his name. And finally, we do all in Christ's name. 
that we work for the name of Jesus. That when we work, we understand that it is the mission of Christ that we're on. That when we are at work, we are telling others about him. The purpose that he gave us is to fruit, be fruitful and multiply. That we are to, to one, in the beginning, to have as image bearers that we were to multiply by having children. But now we also multiply through sharing the gospel to be a missionary agent and wherever we are so whether we're changing oil or whether we're teaching kids in school we should be pointing them to the one who can save them for eternity it is our role and our purpose to point people to Jesus and God has placed you a Christian by his sovereign time and sovereign plan to reach those people that you work beside that you go to school beside, that you live beside, and you do it all for the sake of Jesus' name. Friends, are you following God's pattern for the work of six days and rest on the seventh? Do you tend to rebel against work? Do you tend to rebel against purposefulness in your work do you just see your work as a place that you punch a clock get a paycheck and go home and be done well friends by doing so you're resisting the very purpose you're there to reflect God and know that he's given you a greater place for you a greater plan for you to do in your school, or in your sports teams, in your concert performance, in your work area, are you bringing glory to God? Are you making him known? Well, brothers and sisters, life in paradise is designed for us to work to fulfill the purposes of God. Third and finally, life in paradise is living in obedience to God. Verse 16 and 17 and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from every tree, any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on that day you eat from it, you will certainly die. I think it's the old KJV, you will surely die. We know that God has designed life in the garden most blessed, most happy, when we stay in the boundaries of obedience to God. God has designed these batteries, boundaries for us to live and that will bring us ultimate joy and happiness. How do we know? Well, because God gave two boundaries. God gave a permissive boundary to Adam. God told Adam, you can eat from any tree of the garden you want. You are going to be happy. It's going to taste good. You're going to be nourished. You're going to love it. So do any of these things, eat of any of those places. Adam was able to partake of everything to his heart's content, even the tree of life. And this lavish, extravagant abundance, Adam could take from anything that he wanted. He was given it all. But on the other hand, God's permission was paired with prohibition. Or another boundary, don't do this. But from the knowledge of tree and evil, a tree good of evil, from that day, if you eat from it, you will surely die. 
God gave boundaries, a way for us to obey. If we live within that circle, within that boundary, we will be blessed. In all of this you can do, but in this you will surely die. You know, I don't know about you, but any time that we feel that we come up to a list of commands or a list of things to not do, what is our initial reaction in our flesh? I don't like rules. I don't want to do that. You know the test of people are put in a room and they, there's a, a sign on the wall that says, do not press this button under any circumstance. And they watch to see how long it will take for that person to press that button. That's us. That's naturally us, isn't it? That we know that we, we, we're, we're curious. We want to know what would happen if we press that button. But when God has created us, he's given us a way for us to stay in a way that's a blessing. And in doing so, we shouldn't look at God's rules and commands as a way of putting us down, but instead of making us free. And this is what God did for us, that the very temptation to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a choice to seek wisdom without reference to the word of God. He said that we are designed to best live and to best succeed and to be happiest when we're in God's word, when we're following what he has revealed to us. God had revealed to Adam, eat from anything and you'll be successful. But what was the other option? To choose outside of God's word and will. And what happened? That's what Adam and Eve chose. To be their own their own decider of right and wrong to choose the knowledge of good and evil in contrast we see that that adam and eve had the opportunity to desire wisdom but in instead of finding wisdom where it truly was in god's word they chose it outside of god's word moral autonomy for them brought death you know the old Blue Eyes song, I Did It My Way, is certainly leads to the end of destruction. And we see it here, actually later in Genesis chapter 3. And Adam did obtain the knowledge of good and evil, but in doing so, he died. Friends, this is what plagues us in our postmodern world where all of us have been given autonomy to choose what is right and wrong and unfortunately we are choosing what is right in our very own eyes instead of what is right in God's eyes and we know how that story ends the Bible is telling us to teach us that we were designed to be in God's perfect will living by his word in perfect obedience Psalm chapter 1 begins this way how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the company of mockers instead his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night he's like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither whatever he does he prospers Friends, obedience is difficult. It goes against our flesh. 
It often tells us to choose gratification that is delayed. It's often harder. But we know what's good for our lives and best for us is to be in obedience to God. Friends, we need to understand to find full happiness, to find purpose is to live in obedience to Him. There's so many times that I am, people come to me for counsel, spiritual problems, life problems, everyday problems, and a lot of times my response it really baffles them because my first question is, how's your Bible reading going? And a lot of times some might even say, well, what does that have to do with anything? I'm talking about this over here. I say, well, it has something to do with everything. Because in God's word is life and is happiness and fullness. If you're struggling financially, you must ask the way, am I doing it my way or God's way? If you're struggling in your marriage, you can ask, am I doing it God's way or my way? If you're unhappy in life, you can ask, am I doing things my way or God's way? Brother and sister, let us do what we are designed to do, and that is to trust and obey in his word. Just like the old song, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. So if we want to live the purposes of God, if we want to return to life in paradise, if we want to live happy and fulfilled and successful, we need to go back to the way that we were designed, obedient to God but let's be honest I don't know about you but as I was reading through this as I was thinking through these points I found myself to be an abject failure I, I knew that I, I've not relied on God I, I know that I have not been dependent on him I, I know that there's certainly times that I'm not working his purposes and working for him I know that there are times that I'm disobedient but it's good to know that even though that I have willfully rebelled and that we know that we've been kicked out of Eden that the plan before the foundation of the earth was that God would return his rebelling kids back to him through Jesus' son. That Jesus, God himself, came and lived a perfect life. He fulfilled all of this, dependent on God, working his plan and promises, obedient even to the point of death on the cross. Jesus, the second Adam, did what the first Adam could never do. And Jesus went to the cross for us, for forgiving us, and then three days later rose to life, making a way so that in him, through belief in him, that we will not perish. And the Bible says that that same Jesus has gone to prepare a new paradise for us. Amen? A new heaven and earth that those who believe in him will live forever with him. And brother and sister, you might think that you are so messed up that you have so rebelled that you could never enter paradise. Well, you'd be partially right. I can't enter paradise without relationship with Jesus. 
And praise be to God that Jesus has made a way by in faith in him alone we can be forever part of his family. Just as displayed today through Liam's baptism, he said he knows that there is a life apart from God that leads to destruction. He doesn't want to be on that road. Brother and sister, we don't either. We need to return to the purpose and the plan that God has given us. And the only way to do that is through Jesus the Son. We pray today that if you have not trusted in Christ, that today you would put your whole faith in him and that you would enjoy paradise forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this reminder of our purpose in life. I pray that God, that the word through the spirit would, would test and move in our hearts to see where we might be failing from the purpose that you have given us. God, through the Spirit, enable us to return and be obedient to your word. Help us as we, we live for you. Help us to, by the Spirit to live in a way that is pleasing and good for our lives. And Heavenly Father, we pray this morning for those who maybe feel so far away I pray that they know and come that they, can't, they don't have to stay away from you, but they can be made right through your son, Jesus Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen. Amen. Our song of response this morning is Here I Am to Worship. As we stand to sing, I want you to think about this. Let's go ahead and stand. It's time to make a decision.
church, I'm excited to say that we stand to send a record number of short-term missionaries this year. We have a team of five going to Buenos Aires in April, hosted by our very own Richard family, and a team of eight going to London in early June to work with Alex Brito, whom you've likely heard us pray for regularly. If you've been feeling a burden to go on one of our short-term mission trips this year, you have another opportunity. Our mission partners in Salt Lake City are putting together a week of ministry and have asked us to help out the week of June 17th through the 23rd. We would have opportunities to come alongside Redeeming Life Church as they put on another Fueled Up Families event, potentially helping out with children and student ministries, doing evangelism, and learning how we could better reach the Mormons in our own backyard. The trip cost is $1,400, covering airfare, lodging, food, and transportation. Of our three mission trips this year, this would be the most family-friendly. If you would like to be a part of this trip, please reach out to me. A $250 deposit by February 25th reserves your spot on this team. Will you be a part of this record-setting year for missions at Hebron Baptist Church? Praise God. So many of you have caught the vision for missions and taking the gospel and supporting our missionaries. So uh, if you want to be part of this other team that's going to Salt Lake, we'd love for you to talk to Mark uh, later uh, today. A couple of quick reminders as we leave. Uh, guests, we are so glad that you're here. We hope that you connected with us either electronically through the QR code or if you want to do the paper way, you can go to the Next Steps desk and fill one of those connect cards out. We hope that you'll go today, especially if it's your first time. We do have a gift waiting for you. We want to see how you might take your next step either through a life group or through a D group. And so we hope that you will come. Tomorrow night is our family skate night. It's over at Independent Skate Center. We say that, but it's open to anyone. Anyone who wants to come skate it is Christian night there. There'll be Christian music playing. Uh, the cost is only, I see it somewhere, shout it out because I've lost it. Uh, $4, thank you. Uh, and it is cash only. Now, I know that might shock some of you, but you need to prepare ahead of time uh, because it is cash only. So hopefully you can come to that tomorrow night. Uh, next Sunday will be the Missions Lunch Fundraiser to help uh, both our London and Buenos Aires team and also Salt Lake City team to help fundraise for their trip. So please come hungry and willing to support that financially. Also, bring someone along with you. One of the four that you're inviting this week, this would be a great way for them to come for for them to come tell them to come you'll get their lunch for them after after church uh, and and support and find out what's going on in our missions ministry here at Hebron Baptist Church so that's next Sunday after church we also want you to mark your calendars for March 3rd which is our Bible conference we cannot tell you how important this is and what a great event this will be uh, we'll have a Peter LaRufa come uh, and talk to us how we can talk to our kids and grandkids about gender and sexuality uh, and really even maybe even equip us to think through this properly as the world is upside down we hope that we can have some biblical support in that also if you're thinking about wanting to know more about Hebrew Baptist Baptist Church, joining the church, or just want to know more about the ministry and mission of Hebron Baptist Church, our starting point new members class begins February 25th. Uh, it'll be three Sundays in a row from 9 o'clock to 10.15. Uh, we hope that you'd come, learn about what we're doing, and also, if you want to uh, become a member of the church this is required for membership we encourage you to come you need at least attend two of the three classes uh, and it's starting at the end of february going into march uh, last two things 
uh, baby bottles for New Hope Center. Hopefully you've been taking one of those, putting some change in as we support that important ministry uh, for those uh, who have unexpected pregnancy. We love that ministry. Uh, some of you have been doing that. If you have not done so, you can take one of those bottles today. However, the deadline is in two Sundays, so please make sure that you return those bottles in two Sundays. And then finally, some of you might have missed in previous Sundays that we've had, a, if you need your tax information or giving statement, please see me, email me, call me, whatever. We'll make sure we have that printed off for you if you don't know how, or we will teach you how to do it on Realm, which if you've been doing that online. Uh, speaking of that, giving, we uh, finish our worship uh, through the uh, through worship through our giving so let's pray to the lord if you want to do that you can scan uh, the the qr code in front of you on the pew or up here on the screen or give so uh, physically when the plates come around here in just a minute let's pray heavenly father uh, we are, have been given for a purpose and for a mission and part of that is is obeying your word through giving and lord we do so in a, in a way to glorify you today uh, that we know that to support both our ministry here in northern kentucky and around the world, we give, and portions of this go to support mission teams uh, and Bible school and so many other things. We pray, Lord, that our giving faithfully today, you will multiply it for more ministry to be done because we are faithful. We ask that you do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing song is.